Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. How's your week going? Are you still sticking to your New Year's resolutions or have they already fallen by the wayside a week into the new year? If you have, don't feel too bad about it. I read somewhere that most people don't make it out of the month of January when it comes to your resolutions, but hey, if you picked up a couple of good habits along the way, then good for you. Anyways, a busy show this week. There's been uh, quite a bit of news, which is usually a time of year when it's uh, fairly quiet in the F1 world. And the big one this week is the news that uh, Ferrari and Maurizio Arrivabene have uh, parted ways after a poor 28 season. And I must admit, my first reaction was shocked. But not really. When you look back and think that that really was a season that uh, got away from Ferrari, that really was the one where they should have won one or both of the world championships, either the drivers or the constructors. And of course, there's plenty of blame and uh, lots of uh, finger pointing that can be done. The team has to um, take their own fair share of responsibility, uh, Maurizio Rivabene, for some of the management errors, specifically some of the, uh, well, the interesting uh, strategy choices and, um, well, the one, uh, that does come to mind is the uh, the poor tire or wrong tire choice that they put them out on in qualifying in Japan. And of course, Sebastian Vettel has to shoulder his fair share of the blame. A lot of the mistakes that happened were his faults and uh, his alone. Uh, then there were driver error, no doubt about it. And that really was the season, like I say, that got away from them. It was a very competitive car that they fielded last year in the SF71H. And it was uh, disappointing. Mercedes, of course, should be congratulated. They were the much more more consistent team over the course of the 21 race season and at the end they were the ones that took home all the uh, the, the trophies again all the silverware another world championship for uh, Lewis Hamilton another constructors championship for the team which is uh, five in a row and five world championships uh, for Lewis and Ferrari, obviously, they need to get uh, something uh, done. They they need to find that that com- key component that's going to take them forward. And of course, uh, Arriva Bene should and well, he shouldn't be uh, completely uh, criticized and 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 leave under a cloud or under shame because there is no doubt that uh, Ferrari did increase in competitive and become a, a more regular challenger and basically the only challenger to Mercedes. It's just a shame that the season that they had, which 
which was obviously highlighted, uh, unfortunately, by the untimely death of Sergio Marchionne, the president, at the uh, the end of the summer there, and obviously that uh, cast a cloud over the the entire company and the team. But that was just one episode in the entire year. Of course, the everything that was happening on the track and in the pits, that's basically what uh, what uh, the really caused the big problems because they really should have done better. So now Mattia Bonato, he is the chief technical officer and he's been at uh, Ferrari for over uh, 20 years. He started there in 1995 as a taste race test engineer and uh, since became a, a race engineer he was uh, involved in the engine the Kurs department in uh, 2016 and he was made the chief technical officer in 2016 after James Allison who was his predecessor moved over uh, to Mercedes so he's been given a credit uh, a lot of credit actually for the uh, the, the strides that uh, Ferrari have made over the past couple of years and well talk about a high pressure job in professional sports and professional motorsports I don't think there's any bigger job or one that's under a bigger microscope than it is at uh, Scuderia Ferrari. So he's going to have to get the team uh, focused. There's no uh, word on who's going to to replace him. And uh, well, um, Bonata, (laughs) he does have a big, big job. Obviously, it's interesting when you look at the situation, you have uh, Vettel, the four-time world champion, who struggled last year, obviously, and had that championship get away from him. You have the young up-and-coming Charles Leclerc, who's joining from Sauber. And that is uh, one situation that we'll have to keep an eye on because I think it really does re- really does point to the fact that I don't think that uh, Vettel's the clear number one there. I think he is on paper, but I don't think his status is uh, is uh, completely secure as it might be. I think that uh, he he really needs that that challenge. His uh, uh, his preference would have been for Kimi Räikkönen to stay another year, and why wouldn't it be? He was uh, he's friends with Kimi, and he was a little bit naturally quicker than Kimi. Although uh, as the season wore on and his uh, the, uh, the the fight really uh, left Vettel once it became more and more obvious that even though there was a mathematical chance he could win the championship, that it was basically Lewis's to lose at that point, that uh, that Kimi actually sped up and uh, was able to uh, perform better at times than, uh, than Vettel down the stretch run there, who's tipped to be the next big thing in Formula One. Well, the year before, two years ago, was Max Verstappen that was tipped to be the next big thing in Formula One. Well, <laughs> we'll see how that works out in the future. But definitely, uh, Leclerc has uh, performed very well in uh, the, the time that he spent so far in Formula One. And he is a, a Ferrari Academy product. And he really is getting the chance now that most guys really don't get because they really haven't taken historically a chance on younger drivers. So not only does uh, Benata have to worry about what's happening on the in the design room and in the factory and why it's uh, you know what, what's going to happen with the new car that they're going to put out this year, but he also has to manage what's happening with his two drivers and tr- especially getting Vettel focused uh, going into to 2019. But also, I think that the timing of the uh, the decision to part ways with the Riva Bene is is very very peculiar. Don't you think? I mean, we're only, I would say, about a month away from winter testing now when they all head down to Barcelona to to break down the new cars and get them really shaken down and ready and, and t- dialed in for the new season. And we're only really about two months away from the from the first Grand Prix in in the middle of March, beginning of March at uh, at Melbourne in Australia. So that really isn't a lot of time. I mean, fortunately, if you look at it from Ferrari's perspective, you're only really moving a couple of different places. Like I say, Bonata has been there for, for 20 years and he's uh, he's really been that guy that's been behind the scenes. Whether or not he can take that 
experience and all that knowledge that he has and take it from a chief engineer's, a chief technical officer's role to a team principal role and uh, all the the associated responsibilities and decisions that are going to come along with it. We'll have to, to wait and see. But definitely very, very interesting to, to see that's a big move. And honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a, well, a bit of an understatement to say, but it was uh, the surprise uh, of the week. I don't think we really, any, any of us saw it coming. I mean, it was reported there maybe a day or two in advance in some of the different media outlets there. But when you sort of think about it, it is, but it isn't a surprise at the same time. Now, moving along to the next team down the paddock, and there's quite a bit of news about uh, Force India this uh, this week. And new owner, Lawrence Stroll, says that um, Force India or Racing Point Force India or Racing Point or some undetermined new name for the team could be one of F1's greatest teams. Well, that is uh, definitely quite the statement uh, that Lawrence Stroll has uh, made, but I think it is fair to say that uh, that Force India at times has been a, a very good team considering the the amount of money that they have for a budget, the resources that they have at their disposal. I think it's fair to say that they've uh, punched above their weight uh, from from time to time. Obviously, the, the the beginning of the 2018 season was subpar considered or compared to some of their previous years, and of course, uh, they were pretty much cash strapped and limited in what they could do under the, uh, the the previous owner of the VJ Malia and it wasn't until the team went into uh, administration in the summer last year which was kind of prompted by uh, what was it uh, Sergio Perez claiming unpaid driver's wages and things like that but it really was a move that uh, really set the the whole process in motion. And I think that once the team went into uh, administration and uh, Lawrence Stroll and his uh, consortium, the group that he brought in there of investors uh, bought out uh, the, the team and uh, injected some new funds into it. The results for me from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, of course, the uh, the, the, the points they'd accumulated up until the Hungarian Grand Prix were wiped uh, clean, but they did very well. They, they they had much more speed. They looked much more like the Force India that we'd seen over the past several seasons. Obviously not uh, a race-winning contender, but definitely one of those best-of-the-rest uh, kind of teams. So it uh, we're, we're going to see what's going to happen now, what with the injection of the, uh, of the cash flow. And they're going to have more resources and and more finances available to them. So what they're going to be able to do with that in, in terms of developing a better car and a faster car and maybe a car that contends, well, that again is going to be a wait and see situation. Stroll said, and I quote, short term, we want to stay where we are. And in the long term, we want to be moving further up the grid. So that is definitely definitely a lofty, lofty ambition. And uh, he definitely uh, is uh, got some expectations for that uh, team. And he says, uh, again, he says, nothing is broke here, so you don't need to fix it. And he said, number two, it's about putting financial stability in place. And, and definitely that is a, a key component because I was pretty worried last year, not that I'm the biggest fan of Force India, but I like to see stability in, in Formula One. And of course, in under the, the, the Bernie Ecclestone uh, regime over the, the previous four decades, Bernie really didn't uh, care one way or another. It was like, if you have the money and the resources to 
be in Formula One, great, you're here. If not, then so what? If you don't have the money, then you don't deserve to be here. But at the same time, I mean, I understand that uh, that point of view, of course. I mean, uh, Formula One is intended to be the best of the best. But at the same time, I do like to see some some continuity in in the in the grid, in the the amount of teams and the manufacturers that you see in Formula One. And of course, they all come and go because these big companies have different reasons and different motivations for being in Formula One. And it could be not only that uh, that it doesn't financially make a sense anymore, but it also at some points could be just that they've proven everything that they set out to prove and they have uh, want to focus their, their attention on something else. But it is nice to see teams struggle and, uh, and kind of go on life support. I mean, we've seen it over the past couple of years with Manor Racing. We saw it with Lotus. We saw it with Caterham. Of course, Lotus was uh, bought out uh, by Renault talk about Renault in a minute here, but uh, it, it was good to see Racing Point force India get rescued. So we'll wait and see. Do you think they're going to stick with the pink uh, livery for next year, or is it going to be something different? Wait and see. But apparently the sponsors that they had uh, seemed uh, pretty supportive at the time when they went uh, through the administration period, but definitely uh, quite an ambitious claim made by uh, uh, by Lawrence Stroll. Now, Esteban Ocon, who is a former Racing Point Force India driver. Of course, he was the odd man out when the uh, the musical chairs in the Formula One driver's market stopped last year and ended up uh, basically losing his seat to his very good friend, uh, Lance Stroll, who moved over from uh, Williams and is also conveniently the uh, son of the owner of uh, Racing Point. But hey... I guess if you have all the money in the world, then you can make things work for you. But uh, still, Esteban uh, reckons that um, that uh, Force India are what he calls, quote unquote, close to closing the massive gap between Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull and uh, the uh, the advantage that they enjoy over the, uh, the, the, the midfield. Now, wow. <laughs> Again, this is another big boast or big claim or uh, statement by somebody uh, that's, well, obviously not with the team anymore, but uh, definitely a um, a very, very interesting statement by Esteban Ocon. And uh, yeah, well... <laughs> What do you, what do you, what do you make of that? I mean, honestly, what it's going to come down to is what they do with the car over the, 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 uh, the, the winter, how they develop and design the car for next year, of course, and whether or not they're able to make use of the, uh, the, the money and the resources that Lauren Stroll has made available to the team. So that's, this is this funny time of year, of course, you, you hear some of these things uh, coming out every now and again, there was uh, something earlier this week that uh, Roman Grosjean was saying something that, uh, that Renault should look out for Haas, blah, 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 these sorts of things. And of course, at this time of year, it's really great because depending where you are and where you're looking in or out from, I mean, if you're in the factory and looking at all the, uh, the, the designs and all the claims that your engineers and designers are making, that's one thing. Oh yeah, well, we've improved so much over the car from last year and we've never made so many performance gains over the course of a winter. Sure, that's great. But when it all comes down and shakes out uh, on the racetrack, it usually tends to be the same thing. You have a couple of big teams out at the front and over the last couple of years, it's been Mercedes and Ferrari, then Red Bull, and then everybody else. And at the very back, Williams. More about Williams in a, in a minute as well. 
And uh, Okan, he did say that he was very impressed by the professionalism of the team and the motivation that they have for the results. They're hungry. It makes a difference. They don't count the hours that they put into the work that they that they have or that they need to put in to make the team competitive. And of course, those are all important things. But if you kind of go and take these uh, really big, um, really confident uh, claims and statements by Stroll and uh, by Esteban Ocon, you uh, sort of juxtapose that with uh, what the team principal, Otmar Safnauer, is saying. And he's basically saying they must be wary of uh, what he calls the perils of the improved backing or risk uh, losing what made it so potent as uh, as Force uh, India. So he said that they, you know... They have a reputation that they really, uh, well, what he called a best for its buck or a bang for its buck kind of team. And like I was saying, they they punched above their weight. And they they did things very well and very uh, efficient. But now they have more money, more resources, and they need to to focus that. So they they have to they have to stay focused and stay as efficient as they were, or else you know they could end up just i guess the, the the best way to say it is lose that focus and go down and d- develop technologies or develop uh, the the car in ways that aren't really um the the best and most relevant to what's happening on, on the track and and uh, Safnauer himself even said quote we have to make sure we don't start going all over the place so definitely uh, it'll be uh, one thing to watch uh, what's you know that happens this year and next year because uh, Lauren Stroll is definitely targeting beyond uh, 2021 or 2020 and 2021 when uh, when everything is uh, all really changed and we of course we don't know what's going to happen uh, in 2020 or 2021 when the uh, the, the new regulations come out but uh, we'll see they want to try and fight for third instead of fourth place in the in the championship in the races and well that really depends on how far ahead of the everyone else that the uh the, the big three stay definitely mercedes have to be the considered the front runner each and every year there's no reason not to think that they won't be the best team again this year of course ferrari is going to be um the, the situation to watch what when the changing at the guard that we just discussed and then of course the uh, the other interesting uh, situation is what's going to happen with Honda and uh, and Red Bull Racing. Honda had said last year that they want to make sure that uh, they deliver an engine that is at least on par with the the Renault power that uh, that uh, Red Bull has had over the past several years, and at times uh, provided some very good uh, results for them last year. Of course, they managed to, to win a handful of races, uh, and uh, that was probably pretty unexpected at the time. So Honda definitely have to start putting their money where their mouth is. All right. So, well, you know, just sticking with the uh, the Force India th- theme here, and just uh, talking now about uh, Stroll Jr., and that is uh, Lance Stroll. And uh, Lance uh, says that he believes that in 2018, he improved consistency despite the struggles that he had and Williams had uh, as a team as whole. Uh, and he said, uh, and I quote, I've definitely been more consistent when I haven't been there or I- I've made mistakes. It's been on less of a scale compared to last Last year, last year when I was on a high, it was really good, and the position was good. And when I struggled, I really, really struggled. And now I'm a bit more consistent. Well, he's uh, now got uh, two years behind him in Formula One. He's no longer the the young, fresh faced rookie. He might be 
young and fresh face, but he does have that benefit of experience uh, behind him. And uh, definitely, I think, uh, going to force India, and obviously what with his dad being the the owner of the team now, that the, the, the team might be a little bit more focused uh, around him. Of course, uh, Sergio Perez, He's really be, become like that uh, real. He's like that one guy. When I think of for, for, uh, Force India, I do think of uh, Sergio Perez. I mean, he's really uh, ingrained himself in that team over the past couple of years. So it's a, an interesting choice of uh, driver lineups, but uh, de- definitely, I think we'll see what uh, what Lance Stroll is uh, made of. Uh, obviously, the the the, the Williams FW forty one last year was uh, completely wrong, basically in uh, every regard. Uh, they they struggled every every race of the year, and they, they never really did seem to get that car figured out or were able to improve uh, upon any of the, the the problems. And we've seen over the past several years that. Force India have been able to design a pretty solid and a pretty reliable car. So uh, it'll be uh, fun to watch and see what uh, Lance Stroll is really made of. Is uh, does he Should he be at Force India? Should he be an F1? Or is he just there for other reasons? Well, uh, we'll wait and see. It, uh, it definitely is a situation that uh, I'm sure he's looking forward to getting into because Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez, despite the, uh, the, the clashes <laughs> that those two have had on the track over the past couple of years, obviously they, they've had a pretty competitive car underneath them. And uh, I'm sure Lance is looking forward to being in that uh, situation and taking advantage of it this year. So now talking about another midfield or back of the grid team, or maybe not so, we're not destined to be at the back of the team or league or back of the grid. I'm getting my sports mixed up here. Back of the grid team. And uh, this one is Sauber, quote, pushed like hell on 2019 car early. And I'm impressed with uh, how Sauber turned it around. I mean, 2017 was wasn't a good year for them. I mean, they had those 2016 Ferrari engines in the back of the car and they were designed for a completely different style, a different, a different era of formula one, because 2017, a lot of the technical reg- regulations had changed the engines. Well, were one of them and it just did not provide the oomph that, uh, that car needed. And, uh, Pascal Verline and, uh, Marcus Ericsson, they just, weren't able to really be competitive and they were really stuck to the back of the, uh, the, the field that year. So this year with the Ferrari engines and they had a, a more up-to-date spec in it and more design and they had a, a pretty decent uh, pairing. Obviously Charles Leclerc was the star and Ericsson, he had his moments, not very many. He had a couple towards the end of the season. Of course, he's off to, to IndyCar now because this year, what with Leclerc moving up to Ferrari, completely different lineup we're going to see at uh, at uh, at Sauber for a couple of races at the beginning of 2017. And uh, then, of course, Kimi Raikkonen, who's uh, passing Charles Leclerc going from Ferrari over to Sauber. So you've got uh, a, a young guy in, uh, in uh, Giovinazzi that has a little bit of Formula 1 experience and then the wily old vet and uh, world champion and Kimi Raikkonen who says he's moving to uh, Sauber where it all started for him because he wants to <laughs> in typical uh, Kimi uh, Kimi manner and Kimi fashion I can't think of a better way to to, to sum it up but they really have uh, put a lot of um, a lot of time into their uh, into the development of this car but it was a real surprise last year that the uh, the C3037 which is the car that uh, that they put out last year was well it was 
basically one of the fastest cars by the end of the year. And Charles Leclerc was a regular in Q3. And he said it was, a, uh, and Charles Leclerc, uh, I should say, should clarify, insisted that the constant pro- uh, progression was the result of um, him understanding the car, rather the ongoing development. And um, and Frederick Vasseur said that um, the uh, Sauber did not compromise this year at all. And they really pushed early on to develop this car and and really uh, move as many resources as they could to develop this uh, car for 2019 as uh, as early as uh, as possible but i mean a lot of things are are changing and uh, in in formula 1 and it's 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 really it's interesting to see how cars and, and, and teams are, are developing and who's moving up and down the grid. And we'll talk about uh, uh, Williams and, and McLaren in, in a minute here. But I really get to, I, I've really been impressed by teams like uh, like Sauber and to extent, uh, well, Renault, maybe not quite as much, but uh, they, they definitely um, they've made some uh, some interesting comments over the the, the gains in the uh, in their engine and their out- output in the engine for that they that they've um, uh, designed and built for this year so whether or not they they can continue to push up and become uh, a more regular contender rather being really stuck in the middle of the midfield uh, where, where they were they, they to me last year they, they kind of had a couple of moments here and there and then they kind of stagnated but Sauber really were the most imp- impressive team in the midfield for me I mean you look at them moving forward and you see teams like McLaren and Williams going backwards and well honestly I haven't really seen anything to really give me too much confidence or, or really feel like uh, Williams or McLaren are going to turn it around anytime soon sometimes you see a team have a little bit of resurgence at the end of the year year and well not necessarily they can carry it over because one car from one year is completely different to a car that comes out for the for the next season but definitely you just don't feel like they've they've got all the pieces in place and even though they've got all lots of uh, money and and uh, knowledge and experience uh, behind them it just doesn't feel like the momentum is there and it just doesn't feel like they're 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 getting it done properly and you see teams like Force India you see teams like Sauber doing so much more with so much less and it it really is impressive uh, to to see that and whether or not uh, the the other teams like uh, McLaren and Williams um can move forward and get back off the uh, the, the back of the grid there Again, that's just going to be a, a waiting game. We we haven't really seen that, and we really haven't seen the signs of it. I mean, obviously, McLaren has uh, used that excuse of the Honda engine for a couple of years, and rightfully so in in many occasions. But a lot of their own uh, design flaws uh, were really brought to light in the car that uh, they had last year because they weren't even really able to to compete with the, the the Renault Works team, who basically they have the same engines in the back of the car. So that is a, a big concern obviously and then Williams they have Mercedes power <laughs> arguably the best engine in Formula One over the past four or five seasons and they were at the back of the grid I can't remember off the top of my head but uh, I don't don't even think they struck double digits in the uh, in, in the constructors championship last year when you think that this is a team that has over 40 years experience in Formula One and has multiple world drivers and constructors championships under their belts i mean there's been many many well-known drivers that have won the the world championship driving a williams car like alan jones nelson piquet nigel mansell alan prost uh, nigel or sorry nigel mansell already mentioned damon hill jacques villeneuve 
I mean, the list, uh, it's, it's an impressive list. And if you look at the amount of races that they won, and if you go back, and for those of you that have F1 TV, I, I suggest you go back, go back and watch some of the races in the, in the late 1980s. Uh, 1986, uh, there were quite a few uh, full-length uh, races on there. I, seen, I think it was the 1986 uh, British Grand Prix, if I can't remember, but uh, completely dominant. You just watched Mansell and Piquet. They're lapping people after maybe 10 or 15 laps into the race. Of course, that was that weird era where you had uh, turbo cars and normally aspirated cars and that Jim Clark cup or whatever they called it for the normally aspirated cars. You basically had two different formula formulas racing within Formula One. So there is a bit of a, you know, a caveat there that it wasn't, a, you know, completely all their way, but still compared to some of the other front runners like the Ferrari and McLaren and the other top teams of that era, they were absolutely dominant. And uh, Ross Braun, the uh, the big head honcho, the motorsport director over at Formula One, he said that uh, the struggles that uh, we've seen with uh, McLaren and, uh, and and Williams over the past couple of years shows that there's no mercy for teams when they get it wrong. And it really doesn't matter what your history is. It's pretty much what's what have you been doing on the track right now. And he thinks that, uh, that's, that they can get back to a competitive place in Formula One, but it's going to be a really, really tough job. He, uh, Ross Brown, that is, feels that if you're not doing a first-class job that's demonstrated by every Sunday, every weekend out at the track, then, um, well, <laughs> there's going to be uh, problems. And obviously, I would say that uh, the, the McLaren um, downward spiral has been a little bit more gradual than Williams, obviously. Williams has really fallen off over the past two or three years, and it's uh, definitely uh, a big shock. <clears throat> and sticking with Ross Braun, he says that uh, he's impatient to make bigger changes uh, to, to Formula One. And well, I mean, obviously Ross knows what he's talking about. He's proven it as a, as a team principal and as a designer. I mean, he has the uh, all the, the bona fides uh, to, to back it up. But uh, even he uh, recognizes that uh, that he, even though he's eager to make all these uh, uh, changes, that uh, he realizes he has to, to cool off a, a little bit and maybe not push as hard with the, the, the teams. And he said that uh, he may be uh, satisfied the direction that d- discussions are going going and the, the way that things are moving forward for the future, he's not really too satisfied with the, with the pace. And he says he's a little bit uh, impatient uh, about that. And he says that uh, he, he's fairly optimistic that uh, what they're, they're, they're doing, that they're going to see the benefit in, uh, in a couple of years, hopefully, you know, from, from our point of view as fans, obviously, I'm sure we'd like to see the benefits uh, that, uh, that they're really hoping to bring to the track, really see those manifest in uh, more exciting races hopefully some uh, really uh, amazing looking cars and uh, everything that we all hold dear and what makes Formula One, Formula One, really hope that uh, becomes reality. And again, well, Ross, I mean, he'll, he'll probably understand this uh, more than, than uh, anyone else. And just uh, talking a little bit now, uh, we were talking just uh, about how uh, um, uh, McLaren and Williams have really fallen off. And uh, Ross was saying that uh, he feels that Honda really has to understand what he calls the reality of uh, Formula One. And of course, he would know that better than anyone having been, uh, taken over uh, you know, at Honda and then changing that into to, uh, to Braun Grand Prix and then obviously that became Mercedes and we all know what how the, how the Mercedes story well not how it ended but uh, definitely what uh, how what, what it turned into 
And uh, he really feels that the, the secret to success with Honda is connecting the engineers to the Formula One uh, challenges. And he said that when, when he was at Honda, he said he called them a little bit remote from the reality of what was uh, needed. So he said he needed to connect the engineers and make sure that they were working on the right things and they had priorities. They had all the real information and the, the basically the goal that was what was happening. And he said that uh, th- they had a view that uh, that they had one of the best engines in Formula One. And then <laughs> he said, well, of course, coming from the, all those years at Ferrari, he was immediately able to tell that uh, the Honda engine wasn't really the best. And uh, I think that obviously now maybe Honda's in a, in a bit of a different uh, position rather than being a... a a, a manufacturer of both a car and an engine that they're just being solely an engine supplier like they were back in the 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 heyday well one of the heydays of McLaren and obviously one of the heydays of Williams in the 80s and 90s and uh, I, I think going to Red Bull is a, a similar situation they're obviously one of the big uh, big teams in Formula One they're taking a, a bit of a chance on on taking Honda as their their engine supplier but I think and uh, this, this is what uh, what Ross said is that uh, that Red Bull will be making sure of what they need to, to 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 focus on. I mean, they obviously had massive success there for several years uh, with the with the Renault engine. Obviously, uh, Sebastian Vettel won four world championships, and they were, were were a powerhouse. So they know as a team what it takes to win in Formula One. And I'm pretty sure if things aren't going their way with Honda, and I'm sure they've been having the discussions already. Obviously. Toro Rosso has had uh, Honda engines for a year now. They've had uh, the, the benefit of being able to compare the uh, the engine data between Renault and Honda for a very long time, and obviously that's what really tipped uh, the the scale in uh, in Honda's favor. But still, you can't a hundred percent take that uh, that risk away. And uh, I think that uh, Red Bull and Christian Horner. And their whole team there will definitely keep Honda working in the right direction. And it's exciting to think, well, if if they can get a good uh, good uh, engine designed and built, I mean, come on, with a, a design team headed by Adrian Newey, you just know that Red Bull's going to have a good car. I mean, he's got the the, the record to, to to prove it. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when uh, we released the the show about the uh, the Williams FW14B, the 1992 car with a Renault engine in it that was a designed by Adrian Newey and, and Patrick Head. And that's just one of many, many uh, amazing cars that uh, Adrian Newey has built uh, uh, during his career, going all the way back to the mid-1980s, not just in Formula One, not just with Williams, not just with Red Bull, but even in carts. I mean, he's uh, built cars that won the Indy 500. So the guy's done it all. So they know what it takes to build uh, an amazing, like a, a really good race car, really good chassis. So they, they just need the engine to, to do it. And if they can, well, <laughs> I'm excited at the prospect of Max Verstappen having a competitive car and a competitive engine because uh, he could be and he has all the uh, well he has all the talent to be a top driver whether or not he can uh, translate that into more race wins and maybe a world championship of course uh, Max has got uh, got to stay focused but definitely that uh, complete package of a Max Verstappen a competitive uh, a good chassis and a good engine Formula One look out 
And, well, it's kind of going back to uh, Ferrari and sticking on the Williams theme uh, a little bit. Uh, Robert Kubica, who is going to be uh, one of Williams' drivers for 2019, along uh, youngster uh, George Russell, said it was not easy to say no to a Ferrari offer of a development role in 2019. And uh, he was uh, offered a role to take up a simulator position with Ferrari uh, following the, the departure of Antonio Giovinazzi to Sauber and Danny Kvyat to Toro Rosso. And, well, uh, Kubica won the 2008 Canadian Grand Prix and he wanted to make his uh, return to Formula One. Well, he was reserve driver Williams last year, but he wanted to make a, a return to racing with Williams and uh, rather than uh, go back in the in the simulator with uh, with Ferrari. And uh, of course, even though there was the, uh, the, uh, the, the chance to go to Ferrari, you know, nothing against uh, Kubica, but I mean, he's been out of the Formula One picture for a very, very long time. Of course, when he was a, a younger driver, he definitely was impressive. Of course, he had that awful, tragic accident in, in rally cars where he nearly lost his arm. And uh, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, give the guy credit. Uh, I mean, he he tested uh, with Renault, and uh, that's what really started it off a couple of summers ago and proved that uh, that he had what it, uh, you know, he still has what it takes to drive a Formula One car. But whether or not he's able to, to do that over the course of 20-plus um, races and in some of these really grueling conditions, that, uh, that, that remains a bit of an open question, obviously. Obviously, they have uh, confidence that uh, that Kubica can get the job done, but it is a, a bold choice of drivers for Williams uh, for for 2019. They've uh, just come off a, a year where they had uh, two very young and inexperienced drivers, relatively speaking, in Sergei Sorotkin and uh, and Lance Stroll, and uh, now they've got uh, you know uh, an experienced driver in uh, in in Robert Kubica and uh, another young, inexperienced guy in, in George Russell. But uh, he's got all the uh, the the pedigree and all the, uh, the the markings of a very good racing driver and a very good Formula One driver. But it's, you can't really fault Kubica for taking that race seat. I think that many of us uh, would probably do the same thing, put in the same situation. Would you rather be the simulator guy who shows up with, uh, you know, your travel mug of, uh, of coffee when you show up for work in the morning? Or do you want to be the guy that's in the car, doing the testing, doing the racing, going out there on the sharp end? I think that's uh, what it's all about. I don't think anybody ever uh, you know, none of these guys that are racing in Formula One really aspired to be a simulator driver. And I don't think uh, Robert Kubica had those uh, goals either moving along. So talking uh, about pressure, obviously there's big pressure for Mattia Bonato at uh, Ferrari, but equally big pressure for Valtteri Bottas to keep his seat beyond 2019 at uh, at, uh, at Mercedes. And sorry for the little tr- chuckle here, but Total Wolf is setting the bar here awfully hard. And uh, he says uh, Valtteri knows exactly where he needs to be next year. He needs to have all the bad luck gone and perform on a level with Lewis. Okay. <laughs> if that's what the bar is at, if you want to get a seat at Mercedes and you have to be at least as good as Lewis Hamilton, my goodness, that bar is set very, very high indeed. I mean, there is only one Lewis Hamilton. He's a five-time world champion. He's one of the obviously one of the quickest guys in the sport. He's one of the most consistent guys in the sport as well. Rarely puts a a wheel wrong. And he's also one of the mentally toughest guys in the sport. So for, for Botas to be able to live up to that and perform on a level similar to Lewis Hamilton, that is a very, very big 
challenge and uh, Toto has really thrown the gauntlet down and whatever he needs to do, he's really going to have to improve because um, Wolf has even said that he believes that Lewis has improved and that means that uh, Botas needs to uh, to improve as well. But he also, in fairness, he does say that uh, that he feels that uh, that uh, that the Botas has the potential, has the capacity to improve and uh, to perform on a on a level similar to Lewis Hamilton, and it is a um, a sentiment that is uh, shared by Botas himself, who obviously had some bad luck last year going back to Baku when he ran over some debris and pick up, picked up a, a puncture late in the race when he was leading. That was uh, unfortunate, but I think one of the well, for me, I think one of the standout highlights of the entire year was was that, and also then at uh, at Sochi at the Russian Grand Prix when uh, team orders came into effect, and he was uh, told to move over and uh, make way for for Lewis Hamilton so he could uh, maximize his points and uh, try and capture that uh, that world championship. Again, we can get into that discussion about uh, team orders, but when you're fighting for a world championship and there's still races to go and you don't have the things sewn up, you got to get the points where you can get them but uh, definitely uh, Botas knows where he's at now and well if you weren't going to put Botas in that car I'm going to throw this uh, out to you guys send me a tweet at scuderiaf1pod or email me at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com if Valtteri Botas was not to come back to Mercedes in 2020 or let's just put it out there who would you like to see in the second car beside Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes so let me know send me a tweet throw me an email and let's uh, let's see uh, get some opinions in there. Anyways, uh, talking about Renault now, they believe that uh, their engine gains are quote much bigger than uh, ever before. So again, this uh, kind of goes back to some of the uh, the, the big statements that we've uh, big confidence statements we were talking about, especially with uh, Force India a, a little while ago. And um, uh, managing director Cyril Atabul says that he sees no evidence that the team's progress is slowing down, and he said that uh, if anything, he sees what he calls acceleration everywhere. And he says that the gains that they're making on the engine are much bigger than we have ever done in the winter, much bigger than the gains we are currently doing in the wind tunnel are much bigger than we have ever done. Uh, again, well, Renault did say several years ago when they, they bought out uh, Lotus, came back into Formula One after uh, being gone for as a, uh, as a manufacturer, uh, not just an engine supplier, that uh, they did have this uh, mid range projects over the the course of about five years, six years or so, which we're kind of getting to the end of now. We're in the sort of the latter stages of that to to become uh, a real contender uh, again in in Formula One. And definitely we've seen that the the team uh, progress. I mean, it's it's definitely better than where Lotus finished off a a couple of years ago, but they're not quite up there performing with the, the Red Bulls. I mean, they did have the same engine in the two cars over the past couple of years, and they haven't even really been able to uh, to to, to uh, compete with them. They've had some moments here and there, but obviously there there's still a lot of room and a lot of way to go before that Renault really is a, a competitive car uh, capable of challenging for podiums, challenging for race wins, and ultimately for for world championships. And it's a, a big goal that they have. I mean, obviously Renault Nissan is a, a very very big car manufacturer, so they they do have lots of uh, technical and financial support uh, behind them, but they really uh, need to 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 take that next step and. 
And based on what uh, Atibul is uh, saying, he believes that uh, they've made a significant improvement over last year. But again, like I was saying earlier, just talking about Force India, the, 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 the real acid test, of course, is it's one thing to say we've made gains in the in, in the wind tunnel and on the on the dyno and the thing is well that that's fine but how do those gains compare to the other nine teams that are going to line up beside you on the grid next year how do you match up against those uh, those other uh, other manufacturers and that is the the ultimate test uh, you can have improved all that you want but if everybody else has improved just that much better you're still going to be slower than them so that is just the uh, the, the cruel reality of uh, formula 1 but there is a lot of uh, positivity at uh, at Renault right now obviously They've made uh, some changes uh, for for next year, and the big one, of course, is Carlos Sainz has uh, moved over to uh, to, to McLaren, and uh, of course, Danny Ricardo, who uh, shocked everyone, obviously, uh, earlier this year or in the middle of last year, I should say, obviously, 2019 now, when he announced his uh, departure from Red Bull and uh, announced he was going over to Renault, when everybody really felt that, uh, or at least on the outside, it felt like it was going to be uh, another extension, another new contract for Danny Rick at uh, at Red Bull Racing. I mean, certainly, uh, if I think back to some of the things that Christian Horner, the team principal at uh, Red Bull Racing, was saying at the time, that it really sounded like they were just dotting the I's and crossing the T's, and they were in the very, very sort of end stages of um, cinching up a new deal with uh, Danny Ricardo. But of course... Reality in Formula One is sometimes not what you expect it to be, and it's a, a big bold move. But uh, a lot of the the, the news that uh, and and little sound bites that are coming out of uh, Renault is that uh, that they really feel that Ricardo's uh, joining of the team is uh, very much like when Alonso joined the team, and it really feels like they have that glory years kind of feel. And uh, of course, uh, Alonso won back-to-back uh, uh, championships in 2005 and 2006. So that was obviously a, a big boost uh, for the team and Ricardo obviously taking a, a bit of a risk. And uh, I, I still think it was interesting that in all the problems that, that uh, Red Bull had with the, uh, with the Renault engine, we heard that Max Verstappen especially have a, a bleep fueled tirade on race radio and uh, and hungry when the engine let go and uh, well christian horner has been very critical of uh, renault over the past uh, several years to the point that uh, atibu will actually said that well you know we've basically tuned that guy on, uh, out and stopped listening to him a long time ago <laughs> so it was just uh, kind of funny out of those uh, three four really big names at uh, at red bull racing ricardo was never really the the, the one guy that said anything overly outwardly uh, well caustic or really acidic about uh about the Renault engine i think from time to time he would would, would uh, maybe state his disappointment if there was a problem with the engine or something like that but he wasn't out and out making an inflammatory or insulting remark about the uh, the uh, the engine so i always thought it was kind of interesting that he didn't necessarily burn those uh, bridges with the uh, Renault or, or damage any relationship with them and if they turn out to have a good car and a good season and if uh, ricardo can be a, a contender or uh, uh, you know, get some good results in that uh, that car. Maybe get uh, similar results that he had in the Red Bull. Hopefully, better from his point of view than it uh, will have been a situation that uh, that was very wise on his behalf. 
But of course, uh, that will all play out over the, the next nine or 10 months. And we will know come next November, maybe even sooner, depending how the, the season goes, good or bad for Danny Ricardo and uh, Renault. But definitely, uh, like I was saying earlier in the, 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 the show, that this is the time of year where everybody's making a lot of big boasts and a lot of things and uh, a lot of statements out there in the media. And uh, it will really be proven either right or wrong or just uh, empty statements or promises or boasts, whatever you want to call it, when the cars finally hit the track on the asphalt in Melbourne in a couple of months. So finally, to close out the show tonight, there was uh, some other news a bit concerning uh, that uh, Nicky Lauda is uh, in hospital with the flu. He was uh, flown back, I think maybe he was uh, in Spain or somewhere on uh, holiday, and uh, he's gone back to the, uh, the the hospital in Vienna where he had the uh, the, the lung transplant last, uh, last summer, and he's been uh, convalescing and recovering from that. And uh, prior to this news, there was a suggestion that he was targeting uh, recovering and regaining his health enough to be in Melbourne in in two months' time. So hopefully Lauda is uh, back to full health soon and that uh, this uh, this uh, situation that he's having with the, the flu right now is uh, nothing too major. And we hope uh, certainly that uh, he gets better soon. Anyways, that is a wrap for this week. Thank you so very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, easiest way is on Twitter at f one pod or email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com that's a wrap thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again this time next week thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast if you want to get the show notes for this episode then head over to scuderiaf1pod.com want to get in touch with us then email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?